We are going to have our first message provided by Kenneth Barton, entitled, What Difference? Part 2. Our messing up on the uh, songs, this is not what's going on. Let me put, reminded me of the, the feud between the song leader and the pastor. And song leader, or the, the pastor, gave a rousing sermon on temperance and, and teetotalism and no drinking. They should take all the booze and dump it in the river. So the song leader got up and led everybody in. Shall we gather at the river? So then, the next week, the pastor had a message on tithing. And uh, after which the song leader had everybody sing, Jesus paid it all. And I wish I could remember how it wrapped up. It was a, also another song, but anyway, uh, that's not what's going on. But it, I thought of it, and I thought you guys would enjoy the, the, the laugh. What difference at this point does it make? Part two. It's actually probably part three or four. I've mentioned this several times, but anyway. A couple of months ago, Glenda and I were at a funeral of a friend. And uh, after the funeral, we got to renew acquaintances uh, with people that we used to, to uh, go to church with. This was a, a church member where we used to attend before we realized about the Sabbath. <clears throat> and one of them is a daughter of a long-time Free Will Baptist minister. He's working with a small church now. Uh, it's not a Free Will Baptist church, but, you know, he's, he's trying to bring people to the Lord. Marcia's married, our, our friend, his daughter, is married to a man that is, grew up in the uh, worldwide. So he's a Sabbath, Sabbatarian when he goes. She told him, if you'll go, I'll go with you. If you're not, I'm going to Dad's church. That's where I grew up. <clears throat> so after the service, he was also there. And I visited with him. And when I told him he, we now observe Sabbath, his statement was, Oh, so you've turned your back on everything, eh? Had I really been on the ball, I would have replied that if anybody turned their backs on anything... It would be Sunday worshipers turning their backs on God's word. What I did say was, no, what we've done is come to understand that God established the Sabbath on a certain day. God doesn't say anything just to hear his lips bang together. Never has, never will. And God doesn't tell us just once something he wants us to pay attention to. Just like we don't tell our kids something just once. Don't play in the street and... I told them once, they ought to know, right? So he tells us numerous times so that we will hopefully finally get the message. His response was, what difference at this point does it make? He stated that we've heard what we've heard many times that that was the Old Testament. And he would not listen when I said, no, it's also in the New Testament. But can anybody... It's here. 
tell me exactly where in the entire Bible, anywhere in the entire Bible, where old or new, where God tells us that any of God's word no longer matters. Think about that. Unfortunately, he's not the only one with that attitude, is he? How can that be? How can so many people be ignorant of God's word? So that's had me thinking about how we, as in the world, has got here. You see, it was, isn't just that they woke up one day and decided to throw the Bible away, was it? Here is where, in New York, you can kill a full-term full baby that has not yet been delivered, but it's full-term. In Virginia, they tried to pass law, and again, I thank God that it failed, where they could have a discussion after the baby was born with the parent as whether or not we should kill this baby. They were trying to cut it down from three doctors required to all say, yes, this must be done to just one. How's that for a difference? A terrible difference, but it's a difference. How have we got here? How have we come from a nation that worships and obeys God to a nation that scoffs at God and calls his believers haters and much worse, accuses them of vile things while the accusers are actually the ones doing these things? It's simple, in my opinion. A lot of this is in my humble opinion, but it's also in God's word. They've left the Old Testament, the foundation of all the scripture, out. Everything in the New Testament is based upon the Old Testament. So if you don't study that, if you don't pay any attention to the base, none of the New Testament really means much. I've told you about studying the history of the church while at that Sunday church. And in those lessons, an 8th century pope was quoted as saying the Sabbath is indeed on Saturday. Sunday worship is a tradition enacted by the Catholic Church because they took that authority upon themselves and that any church that worships on Sunday is practicing a Catholic tradition because it's nowhere in the Bible. So it was quite interesting when we told them why we were leaving and we explained the Sabbath to our pastor and his wife. She said, why, why have we never heard of this? They're both graduates of, at the time, the name was Hillsdale Free Will Baptist College in Moore, Oklahoma. And I said, that's got us buffaloed. We can't figure out why you or, or uh, Billy Graham or anybody main don't know about it. I'm pretty certain now it's because God closed their ears. Because we told them about it. I said, you've heard about it now. They're still not here. They're still there. The world has been influenced over a long time. We all need to realize Satan has been at this a long time. He never stops, nor does he ever give up. He's been 
He has many different ways and angles that he uses to deceive us. After all, he was the father of deceptive marketing, right? I've learned a lot from reading uh, Samuel Bacchio. Uh, I'm probably horribly mispronouncing his name. It's either Bacchioki or Bacchiochi. Chi? A historical investigation of the rise of Sunday observance in early Christianity. That was published in 1977. He's the first non-Catholic to go all the way through their school. It was published uh, by the Catholic Church, by Rome. <clears throat> but he, re he presents how Sunday worship really, the strongest start of it happened around eight, 135 A.D. when the Jerusalem church stopped observing Passover and started adopting Easter Sunday observance. It was done mainly through Hem Emperor Hadrian, who reigned from 117 to 138, who expelled Jews from the city. There had been a uh, uprising by the Jews, and after squashing that very badly, I'll mention that later, uh, he forbade circumcision, he forbade teaching the law, he forbade meeting on Sabbath. Sorry about the banging under penalty of death. The Romans, even before then, had severely persecuted Jews. Tacitus is one person that he references in his Tacitus book, Historia. And I don't, don't know where it is, don't know the reference. Josephus, in Wars of the Jews, they tell about that 97,000 Jews were taken, taken captive and a million were either killed or perished during the siege of a war in 70 AD. Vespasian, who ruled from 69 to 79, abolished both the Sanhedrin and the office of the high priest and forbade worship at the temple site. Uh, Mr. Bacciocci notes that there are those who claim it occurred as early as Paul's time it shows it couldn't have happened. But in his reign, Emperor Hadrian uh, had the Bar Kokhba, and that was the, the man's last name, revolt. They were following him. He completely destroyed Jerusalem and rebuilt on those ruins a new Roman city, Aelia Capitolina. It was a pagan city. They did. They did. They did. We've already done religion here. Don't want to do it again. Do not start it. Harsh restrictions, as I've already said. Particularly the Sabbath worship and circumcision would result in your death. And the Christian church, not wanting to be lumped in with these guys and get killed and persecuted, they observed Easter instead of Passover and definitely stopped circumcision. For some reason, guys didn't have a problem with leaving that alone. So, you can see why the study of the Old Testament, which was made up of God's laws and the history of Hebrew people 
fell out of favor. If you taught it, they would kill you. Why do you suppose such extreme measures were taken? In my opinion, it was done to see that none of God's laws would continue to be obeyed in a misguided, I think, uh, attempt to escape just judgment. Remember Romans 4.15. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So we'll just do away with the law. That way there's no problem. One might think that the thought process was if we can erase the knowledge, we can erase the effect. I think Satan's plan really was if I can get the truth of God and his laws hidden, these interlopers will be destroyed. Satan doesn't really care for us that much. <clears throat> Still in line with his plan to destroy mankind by destroying Adam and Eve. Same goal, in my humble opinion, behind the destruction of history that we are now experiencing in modern times. People want us to not know anything about the civil rights movement, anything about the Ku Klux Klan, anything about anything that happened before. If you effectively erase history to the point that people don't remember it, you can do it again. Because it's new. Kind of goes with the marketing of socialism and communism. Make no mistake, that's a horrible, horrible idea. has never been successful. Moving on. Pay close attention to those that would take your, away your rights. Even if at the time you're not really using them. Where did I go? Here we go? Anyway, even at the time you're not really using them, uh, right now, because you may want them later. If they're your rights, they're your rights. Don't let someone take them away. That's the thing about rights. You don't have to be actively engaged in using them. We don't always have to go vote every day, do we? You can even miss a few. You might have to go back and tell them, hey, I still wanted to vote. I just didn't want to vote in those last ones. But they're your rights, okay? It's nothing that our government gave us. The founders of the Constitution said, this, these are our rights. This document just reminds the government to back off. Our Constitution ensures our rights, not tells you what you're going to have to put up with because the government has all the power. <clears throat> like the right to worship as you believe, to observe Sabbath instead of Sunday, to observe Passover instead of Easter. I believe in order to do that, we need to focus on God, not on anything else. Because God is love. Always has been. That's why he gave Adam some instruction when he sent him in the garden. 
Same reason, again, we tell our kids, don't play in the street. It's because we love them. <clears throat> when they go out in, the, in there, if you have a garden and the kids are going to go out there, tell them, don't eat the slugs. Unfortunately, recently, there was a child that had done that. It took him, I think, three years, but he died from it. Horrible death. Some things aren't made for food for us. Anyway, so Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam told that to Eve, because Eve wasn't around yet. But he passed it on. And she told the serpent, in Genesis, starting in Genesis 3, 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She was spot on, wasn't she? Then Satan kicked in that salesman deal. You will not surely die. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. You'll have God understanding, knowing good and evil. So the woman, when the woman saw the tree, was good for food. This is the same fruit. It hadn't changed any, folks. It was the same thing, but she's looking at it differently. Satan created a, a, a need for it in their mind. Or, and, and this is something that salesmen love to do, give you something and then take it away. So she took of it and ate. Then she gave it to her husband and ate. That didn't turn out very well for them or us, did it? What a difference at this point would it have made if he hadn't. But anyway, it did. When that happened, I think, again, my own opinion, I think Satan thought he'd destroy God's word, and he expected Adam and Eve to be squashed immediately, killed immediately. Because, 17 said, in the day you eat, you will surely die. Didn't happen, did it? Satan didn't have 2 Peter 3, 8, to read. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That the Lord, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Since this was the first time that Anybody needed to repent, and it hadn't really been brought up yet. Because 1 John 4.16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. But there's people that will tell you right now that that doesn't make any difference, that doesn't mean anything, because that's all just fairy tale 
anybody that believes that God made man and then a woman and put them in this perfect garden and all this stuff and it's just fairy tales. You people are stupid. It didn't happen. But it did. The only thing I've found, and, and I'm not saying that I've made an exhaustive search on this matter, that probably isn't true, that is in the Bible, is the idea that the Holy Spirit is a third God. That came in the 4th century A.D., after the emperor, emperor Constantine called for the Council of Nicaea. He was actually a sun worshiper, by the way. He did get baptized on his deathbed, but his, he, didn't, he didn't worship God. He worshiped the sun God. <clears throat> but that idea in this council was put forth by a fellow named Athan Athanasius. And he was a deacon from Alexandria. And there was another deacon from Alexandria named Arius who felt that if Jesus was, was the son of God, is the son of God, that he therefore had to be created later, so he's younger than God. Like that makes a difference. <laughs> he, Jesus is God. Constantine's goal in calling this whole thing was to bring peace to the area because there was serious fighting among the different factions. According to an article I read on Beyond Today, which is United Church of God, uh, again, he was a sun worshiper, and he never really had a good concept of this Christian stuff anyway. But this shows why we need to believe God and only God, because he created us. He loves us, and has set out from the beginning to rescue and save us. And in my opinion, something that comes in 300 years later after Jesus we probably don't need to worry about it. Probably view it with some prejudice. But again, let's get back to my main point. What difference believing only God in his word makes? Let's consider what difference it made when Jesus used scripture to answer Satan. And I'm just going to use one. At Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. I can understand that. Now when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of Man, command these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Luke 4.4 4 reiterated that. The same way, same verse, same words. Again, people these days ignore that phrase, it is written, because all that Old Testament stuff is fable. It's all made up. It didn't happen. And who can read it? All it is is so-and-so begets, so-and-so who begets, so-and-so who begets, so-and-so who begets, so-and-so. That's not all of it, is it? That's, but it's in there. You got to know who's. You know, sometimes you got to know who was playing certain parts. It's all got to line up. We have the New Testament now. We don't need to have all that stuff. You don't need to go study all that stuff. Because now we have Jesus, and it's all peace and love and feeling good, right? 
they feel to realize that if Jesus was going to quote scripture, what would he have quoted? The Old Testament. There wasn't any New Testament yet because Jesus was here on earth. It hadn't been written yet. <clears throat> and so, what was Jesus quoting? Deuteronomy 8, 3. So he humbled you. He, who? Who humbled who? God humbled you, Hebrews. This is Moses talking to him. Who's Moses? Read the book. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what words is Moses talking about? I'm just going to refer to two verses right before that. One and two. Every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And of course, Adam and Eve had never read Deuteronomy or Matthew, but what they did have was God in the flesh, and they had his word. Again, Genesis 2.17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Two weeks ago, David Hope, in a very good message, contrasted the creation with science. I particularly liked how he pointed out how God repurposed earth for what he was getting ready to do. The next day after that on Sunday, we were watching Nova, and they did a replay of season 44, episode 21, the day the dinosaurs died. Did you know there's a KT boundary at a certain level all around the earth? Some places it's thicker, nearer the Gulf of Mexico where it hit. But it's everywhere. That's when it hit. If you're going to set up a new world, why not use one you already have? Right, David? If you need a motor, get that motor out of the old sewing machine and stick it on the weed eater. It'll work. But in that episode, archaeologists describe what would have occurred, how the dinosaurs were wiped out. I mean, it, this thing was seven and a half miles wide, traveling at 40,000 miles an hour when it hit the Earth. How many of you guys have seen or heard about the crater in Arizona? Okay, I think it's Arizona. You know how big the asteroid was that hit that? It was really just a meteorite. It was 150 feet across, doing about 20,000 miles an hour. After it hit and all of this stuff went up into the atmosphere, it was, you were in a pizza oven if you were outside. Because okay? the entire 
atmosphere was full of burning. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blaze. It actually baked everything that was down there. Then after that, after that settled down, you had all this ash and stuff that was blown up there. And it had a high sulfur content. And sulfur is a really neat thing. There's sulfur crystals up in the upper atmosphere kept any of the heat from the sun from getting through. It reflected it all back. Which plunged us into the ice age. <clears throat> Not bad for a fairy tale, right? So, there's been an occurrence that just destroyed the world as it was. Now what? Right? And that happened about 60 to 65 million years ago. <clears throat> so there was a while, it took a while for everything to readjust so we're then it's going to end up what I call a good snapshot of that in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters I say this to get you to realize God's always been in charge and has always had a plan. And he's sharing it with Moses here so that Moses could share it with everybody else. Us included a little further down the road. But again, I, I digress. Let's go back to God's word. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Quick quiz here. Who's John referencing? Christ. Since he is the word, which Satan should have known, Jesus was able to quote himself. So, we are experiencing the difference that not following God's word is making at this very time. How many words of God do we need to pay attention to? All of them. We haven't been doing that. So how do you fix that? We repent. Turn back to him. And obey him. Because he told them in Deuteronomy 12.2. They were getting ready to go. Moses was letting them know, you shall utterly destroy all places that where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains, on the hills, under every green tree, destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn, down, burn their wooden images with fire, cut down the carved images, destroy their names from that place, names of the gods. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. These days, that's considered a hate crime. <clears throat> At the very least, least, we must turn our back on all worship and lifestyles that God condemns. Why is that? Go a little further down in 29. When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourselves that you do not become ensnared to follow them. 
after that they are destroyed. And, and say, well, how did these nations serve their gods? Also I will do likewise. Bad. You shall not worship the Lord your God that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates have been done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters into the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. Don't kill babies. I think we've gone a long way from that. As I said, Constantine really liked to worship the sun god. But what does God's word say? On the seventh day, God ended his work. Genesis 2.2. 2, which he had done, rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's Exodus 28. Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. It's mentioned 28 times in the Bible in 25 verses. Remember what I was saying about God? <laughs> we'll say it a few times to maybe get your attention. He wants us observed, I believe. So what difference at this point could it make? Perhaps if some of the places that are experiencing the many devastating problems that we're all experiencing, if they'd read his word, Second Chronicles 7.13. Again, Old Testament. Nobody needs that stuff. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence, also known as diseases, among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Got to do that first. We've got to turn. We've got to humble ourselves. Realize we don't have all the answers. God does. Seek his face. Repent. Then he can hear. Don't do that. He was, he's not going to hear you. He also instructs Timothy on something that we should all be paying attention to in 1 Timothy 2.1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. Read Leviticus 18. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm already running short. But discover the real reason for climate change and all the diseases and all the catastrophes that are occurring in the world. This is starting at, at uh, 24 and 25, he says, don't defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these nations are defiled, which I'm casting out before you. The land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. The land vomits out its inhabitants. We must return to God. We must return to God. We must humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Then, what a difference at this point will that make. 